Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Bryant West, draft expert of the King's Herald, joining me on the show today. What's going on, Bryant? How you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. I don't imagine I'm doing as well as you are uh, wearing your Celtics hat right there. Uh, felt like I had to. Felt like I had to. It was a pretty great one. Pretty great game. Um, you know, it's sad. This is the first year I fully checked out of the Celtics. Fully checked out. Like last year, I still checked in here and there. This year, nothing at all. And then they have a crazy run that would have been so fun to like feel the ups and downs of this season, you know? I don't think anyone would have blamed you in January when they were like, what, 11th in the East? Yeah, I went on like one or two Celtics pods at the time because I still have a bunch of friends that cover the team. Um, And these little shits had the audacity to be like yeah this feels like a king season like you fucking know you know that your shit's gonna turn around you know this shit's gonna turn around for you i don't know what this is so ridiculous yeah so ridiculous so out of touch i couldn't believe them um but it is funny to think like there were just conversations and it was just conversations but like um, you know, I think I had talked about like Robert Williams for Rashawn Holmes last season or Jalen Brown for De'Aaron Fox conversations that went on at the beginning of this season. Um, so it's pretty funny, that quick turnaround. And the one downside to covering the team, and this is literally the only downside because it's been amazing. It's literally a dream come true is that like I lost my fandom in the process and I just can't fake it. In the same way. You know, I, I watched a game yesterday with the Warriors fans, so I did okay. <laughs> I did an okay job. Um, and I grew up right next to the Warriors, so I actually yeah. did really like the Warriors as well. It's kind of like my two teams I rooted for growing up, so it's a fun finals. But I just can't fake the obsession that I used to have of, like, just being a fan, you know? Um, so it's a little sad that it's not the same, but I'm doing my best to fake it. So it was pretty entertaining. And... The way that they won that game was phenomenal. That was an incredible... I, I, I watched the game with uh, Warriors fans. I was just as stunned as any of them. I can't believe that the Warriors of all teams were just going to go completely quiet like that and just roll over. That was an incredible comeback. Yeah. It and it was a little more sweet that earlier that same day I recorded a pod with James and Sean and they both completely rode off the Celtics. So, and I picked them in seven. So there we go. That just yeah, adds to it for me. Um, I think uh, to me, this finals is a nice tie into the NBA draft in that both of these teams are led by players that I vastly underestimated coming out of college. <laughs> like I know I've told this story before, but I watched uh, Curry's last game at Davidson. It was at St. Mary's and I was in the press row for that. Um, and I just looked at that kid and I thought he's, he's too small. He's too injured. He's not a good enough passer. He's not a good enough defender. He's going to be a, a average starting guard at best. Um, and Lord knows my, I'd just go burn my, uh, 2017 draft rankings if I could, but I had uh, Jason Tatum sixth on that board, which is really stupid in hindsight. So, uh, this finals is just a good reminder as we, uh, get, closer and closer to the draft that uh we can always be wrong yes we can um aaron neesmith is sitting on that bench 
a lot of people loved Aaron Neesmith. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of smart Kings fans really wanted him that year. Yeah. Yeah, he was very much a topic of conversation. He was one of the favorites, mm-hmm. I, I want to say, among Kings Twitter. Um, yeah, Nick Stauskas, Nemanja Bielica, there's a lot of very weird ties in this finals. Yeah. Um, the two difference makers, obviously, for each team there. Today, for us, we don't get all too much uh, playoff conversation revolving around the Kings, I guess, outside of guys that <laughs> are ex-Sacramento ex, uh, Kings players. But, Maybe in 16 years. Yeah, you never know. You never know. Um, it's been long enough. We focus on the draft this time of year, so that's what we're going to keep up with today. We got Keegan Murray today, Iowa. The most entertaining film to watch out of everybody in the top <laughs> five or six. Uh, uh, it, you know, I, I said this to you off air and, and I complained about it to a couple of Kings fans when I was watching like the early Big Ten film against uh, lower level Big Ten competition. It really was a slog because in a lot of ways, I think the way that Iowa, I don't want to say force fed uh, because that seems like a disservice to the role he was playing, but he was definitely the only one on that team who could create his own shot in any way, shape, or form. Um, and against, you know, lesser teams, that's not that fun to watch. But as you got later in especially that Big Ten tournament run, and especially like the Indiana game where I just remember King's Twitter going crazy in that game where he had like eight threes and started showing so much movement shooting off the dribble shooting. That's the kind of stuff I want to see him do uh, a lot more at the NBA level. And in fact, if he can become a really consistent, not just catch and shoot guy, but a uh, pull up shooter off the dribble shooter, a lot of what I'm going to say today in terms of his downsides just becomes uh, nitpicky. Honestly, he becomes the shooter that I think he showed later in the season. Like all of the versatility he has on offense just becomes a cherry on top. So Absolutely. Um, I'll go through the basics real quick here. And is uh, Keegan Murray, again, out of Iowa. Sophomore year at Iowa was his final one. And 23.5 points, 8.7 rebounds, 1.5 assists, 1.3 steals, and 1.9 blocks per game on 55% from the field, 39% from three on 4.7 three-point attempts per game, and 74% from the three free throw line on 5.4 attempts per game there as well. Um, 6'8", with a 6'11 wingspan is what Fasini has here. Um, 21 years old. He's a little bit older than some of these other prospects that we're talking about, like Jaden Ivey is uh, um, a year younger, and they're both sophomores. Keegan Murray might have been the best player in college basketball last season. I think so. conversation. Yeah, I mean... Yep. 25, almost nine boards, um, one and a half assists, combining for 2.2 stocks on yeah. the efficiency that he did. Like, I mean, to shoot 55% from the field and you're shooting almost five threes a game mm-hmm. is pretty ridiculous. 63.8% true shooting percentage, 29.7% usage rate. Um, and, and we're not just talking offense either. Like 3.2 steals and blocks per game and only... 1.1 turnovers like you can't take that away from him those are incredible numbers for any player 
especially for a guy who was doing it on both ends. Um, you, you just, you rarely ever see a guy with that level of production in college. Um, and, and I know this isn't, we've talked about this before. Like he does it with such a calm, composed attitude. Like he just shows up and does the work. Um, so much so like that big 10, uh, final game against Purdue, like he had the game securing dunk. Like that one Iowa, the Big Ten championship was a dagger. And he just ran up the court to play defense. Yeah. He just, he's, he's in a lot of ways just the complete opposite of so many of these players that get talked about at the top of this draft. He's just so composed. And some of it might just be that he's a little bit older. Um, he is going to be 22 before the season starts, which, uh, you know, as, as we saw last year, isn't a big deal for Monty McNair. Um, he did it. He is older than any other sophomore. And that's because he missed a year coming out of high school. Uh, he and his twin brother didn't get the scholarship offers that they were expecting. Um, his twin brother, Chris Murray, who also went to Iowa, they didn't get any scholarships offers out of high school. They went and spent a year at DME Academy to showcase their skills. Next year, they both got offers at Iowa where their father had played. And, uh, you know, Keegan really took advantage of a Hawkeye team that was pretty decimated in terms of talent once Luca Garza left last year. So um, he was just the head, the heart, the soul of that team last year, led them to a Big Ten title and an NCAA tournament appearance. Don't want to take any of that away from him. He was, in my mind, he was the best college basketball player this year. Yeah, and none of it is very forced, like you said. Um, let's start with the shooting. I think it's one of the most important things with Keegan Murray. Um, again, 39.8% from three on 4.7 per game. On catch and shoot, he shot 56.4 adjusted field goal percentage, 75th percentile. On jump shots, uh, 52.7 adjusted field goal percentage, 79th percentile there. Off the dribble, um, which didn't happen all too often, um, 42.7 adjusted field goal percentage, 65th percentile. Again, those didn't happen all too often. I'm sure we'll, we'll yeah. touch on this off the dribble a little bit more. Um, but as a three point shooter, do you buy, like, do you think that he's just a ridiculous three point shooter or what sort of caliber shooter do you view him as? I think he's a really, really good three point shooter. I don't know that I would have him in the same conversation as Jabari Smith or AJ Griffin in terms of just, the consistent success, but I mean, I, you can't take anything away from the guy. He shot 4.7 three pointers a game. Um, and, uh, this was a weird stat that I shared on Twitter. Uh, both he and Jaden Ivey saw 10% jumps in their three point shots from their freshman to sophomore years in the Big Ten. So, uh, whatever the Big Ten is doing for improving prospects, three point shots, uh, guys should go there. Um, like you said, uh, really good on catch and shoot shots, 75th percentile. Um, and for a guy who was, you know, at such a high usage rate, you might think that didn't use it all that much, but like he had all the off ball movement and relocation instincts that you'd want from a player with that kind of role at the next level. Like Iowa was playing a motion offense. They clearly made it a priority to set him as many screens and pin downs as necessary to get good looks, but. He just, his form is so smooth. It's pretty quick off the catch. It's very consistent. Uh, I totally buy him in as a very good shooter. 
to me, the question is off the dribble, like you kind of touched on. Um, he's a little bit more slow and, and not quite as smooth when it's like when he's pulling it up off the bounce. Um, and like these are the kind of shots, they're on the top of his highlight reels. He only took 41 off the dribble shots last year. Um, I shared this comparison with you last week. AJ Griffin, who everybody talks about as somewhat of a limited offensive player compared to Keegan Murray, he had half as many offensive possessions as Keegan did last year, and he had 64 shots off the dribble. So clearly it wasn't the priority for Keegan Murray, and I really feel like it kind of needs to be at the next level because um, if the volume on those shots just wasn't there for me to – trust in that shot as his go-to weapon and i think that's what he needs to have to kind of alleviate the creation concerns that i have about the rest of his game because if he becomes this amazing elite catch and shoot shooter and can threaten off the bounce at a high level like the rest of that offensive versatility i mean it just makes his game so much more complete the off the bounce is definitely the X factor um, for him offensively, and I don't know with with how rare it was, at least when it comes to his total amount of top shot attempts um, that he was getting up. I just don't know that I can put anything into it. Like, it's very hard to gauge how I feel about it. I'm, I'm kind of not. It's it's like the swing. It's swing skill is not the right word. It's the same way I'm, I've talked about like Paulo's defense. Like if you get anything there, then great, but I'm not expecting anything. Um, and if they're like, that's where Murray can kind of blow his ceiling off. Um, <laughs> that I like currently, I think have in mind for him, because if that's an aspect of his game, then we're talking about a completely different player. Somebody yeah. that has, I mean, it feels kind, but like all-star potential. Like right now I view him as, and I don't know, even then I like hesitate to say that. Um, I say something in every single one of these prospect <laughs> profiles that I instantly regret. Um, but that, that's the nature of doing what we do. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. At least one. At least one. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, as a shooter, he's... A very good, I mean, I, you view, Keegan Murray is a complimentary piece, in my mind. He's not yeah. a star, um, and it, I think that most people would agree with this. Like, there's no, I, I don't see the star potential of Keegan Murray or anything like this. I see him as a good starter in the league, and mm-hmm. upside being a plus starter, um, I don't really see, like, all-star. I think his upside is kind of like a Harrison Barnes on the yeah. offensive end. A I lot, agree. A very complimentary. And Barnes, Barnes is so weird. Like his percentages always look crazy at the end of the year. But and I don't know. I think I always just Barnes always leaves me wanting more than what mm-hmm. he actually gives. Um, but Keegan Murray has that type of shooting. Maybe it's not the exact same caliber as Harrison Barnes because again, Barnes's percentages mm-hmm. are are forty plus at the end of the year. Like I, I think it's within. It's possible. But it's yeah. also tough to bet on somebody being a Harrison Barnes level shooter. Um, and there was off movement. Um, not a lot, but enough that intrigued me. Um, and, and this isn't him like sprinting off pin downs or anything like this, but I think he's 
moving at a decent pace and, and didn't need to, he was very good about getting his feet set and a good base um, when he was moving off screens and, and catching and instantly getting into his form. Like, I think that there is potential there as, as moving off ball and um, causing some pressure there. If he is a really, really good three point shooter, like I think he will be. And that's a important complimentary piece that Sacramento Kings obviously need. Um, I think that he's a really good three point shooter and I don't have too many questions about it. I know some people like wonder a little bit about it. Um, there is a significant jump from year one to year two, but he got a lot more opportunity. You mentioned Luca Garza leaving. It was just like a completely different role and in, in team really for Keegan Murray. Yeah. Um, and when it comes to, I guess we can knock off post-ups real quick. Um, yeah, you have, you have a little uh, strong feelings about the post-ups that we saw? or I Only in that he had like three a game. It was 16% of his offense. Um, and he was really, really good at it. Like 99th percentile for success. It's just that sort of play, the way he was doing it, these mid-post backups and then spin around his guy, like – to me, that is one of the two double-edged swords in evaluating him from his tape where I think, hey, this version that we see of him in Iowa isn't reflective of what I think he, we're going to see at the NBA level because our team's really going to be asking their 6-8 combo forward to be doing that much in the post at the next level. I just don't think so. Um, a buddy, Omar, um, pointed out in the Kings Herald Slack, you know, you know, it, it, Posting up mismatches, especially if teams are trying to play the Kings small, is such a big boon in today's game and age. And I'm not going to take that away from him. He certainly got really good touch at the basket. Uh, his long arms, his footwork, they're all excellent. Um, he can be kind of right dominant in the paint, but to me it's just it, – it's not the focal point of his offensive role that I want to see moving forward. And it's one of the two kind of things that, Hey, if you just watch his film or just watch his highlights, I, I think might miscast him a little bit. Absolutely. The highlights are so misleading for Keegan Murray. Um, and it's not that he can't be that player. It really makes me wonder if there's more than what we saw, but I don't see how there's just more that wasn't unlocked when he was such a focal point, you know, like mm-hmm. um, the post-ups don't really do much for me. Like, I think it shows that he has really good touch. It just confirms to me that like, okay, yeah, he is a very good shooter. He's, he's a good finisher around the basket as well. Um, I don't know if we said the number already, 60.6% around the basket. Um, solid number there. He's 99th got, percentile. Yeah. Um, 99th. Yeah. yeah. Jesus. 60, um, 60.7% on all half-court attempts at the rim in non-post-up plays, which is 76th percentile. Yeah. So he's, his touch he's is immaculate. Very, very, yeah, very efficient. And the post-ups just don't do that much for me. Like, if there's switches, um, sure, he can take advantage of that, and there's value in that. Um, I don't know how much it does for me when it comes to, like I said, I, I think it confirms other aspects of his game to me, that he has... <laughs> solid fundamentals he is a really good shooter um and maybe that'll get 
used here and there in the NBA. Um, but I also don't think he's a focal point in the NBA of an offense. So I, I just don't see post-ups as being a, a, something we see very often. I, I don't even think you see one of them a game at the NBA level, really. Uh, maybe. And even then, probably not. So, yeah, I mean, he's solid there, but it, it just it didn't do all too much for me. And then there's no isolation, really. Um, 8.9% of his possessions this year were isolation. He ended up knocking down 44.7%. It's 80th percentile. Um, He doesn't have the burst or the handle to blow by guys, specifically the handle to me. Yeah. Um, There's no like creativeness really to Keegan Murray, um, which is fine. There's a lot of value in just being fundamental and being damn good Mm -hmm. at being fundamental because he is really freaking good at that. Yeah, um, but the lack of creative creativeness is where like the isolation just isn't happening. He's so damn patient. Like so many of his drives, like he he try to create space with a dribble or his length, and even if he doesn't get anywhere, he finished a lot just because he was so patient. Waited for his guy to make any sort of misstep. Uh, his length, his willingness to just power through guys, and there's a certain amount of craft once he gets to the basket, but I agree with you. His, his moments of decent ball control and coordination just rarely came with actual advantages created. And um, he was much less successful against NBA level defenders. I, I you can really see that when he played Ohio state and matched up against DJ Liddell. Um, he doesn't have an explosive first step at all. Um, his his flexibility on drives is, is fairly limited. And uh, while his ball control was pretty okay in the open court, it was much le- less so once he got into crowds. And he really relied on this kind of right spin move. Clearly he'd been watching a lot of Pascal Siakam tape. Um, it's just I'm I'm not confident that he'll ever consistently beat NBA forwards off of the dribble. So, but that, that again, that's so much of his highlight reel. It's just yeah. so much of it. Yeah. It, it's not, it, it's so misleading. It's so misleading yeah. because you watch the highlight reel and I'm like, holy shit, I think this guy's phenomenal. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, this, this isn't him, but I don't know. Like, I, I almost wonder if I'm like underestimating those moments um, but it, it feels like I, I don't know. It, it's so rare that uh, with him being such a focal point, if he was really good at it again, I said this earlier, if he was really good at that and being able to create for himself, it, I just feel like it would have happened more. They would have gone mm-hmm. to that. Yeah. It, I will say it was damn good in transition. Really Absolutely good. amazing transition. Um, his rebound and go game is phenomenal. Uh, like I said, his handling when there's only like one guy in his way is great. He just powers through guys. Had so many highlight dunks. I think that's an aspect of his athleticism that gets a little underrated because people just want to hear the, oh, you're saying he doesn't have upside. He must not be very athletic. And look at this. He's got great dunks. Yeah, he has freaking phenomenal dunks. I think he's so much more of a – once he gets to a top speed, like then his athleticism really can show. And his athleticism and – specifically a lack of fluidity and quick twitchness really just 
don't show up anywhere near as much in the half court in more set plays. Um, and to me, like, if you're banking on him to become a primary creator, you're just betting on outlier improvements in, in handle, in fluidity, in quickness. And guys can get better at all of those things. So we have always said, don't underestimate the ability of smart players to figure out the full extent of what they can do at the next level. But it's just not a thing I'm going to bet on. And to me, that becomes the crux of the argument um, when it comes to comparing him to other guys in this draft range. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. 20th Century Studios presents Vacation Friends 2. Now streaming only on Hulu. Look at us all together again. We just wanted to give you guys a real honeymoon. Shots! 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 Why? Now streaming. Dad! He was just released from jail. Where can I get a drink around here? Back on vacation. This place is nice. It's drug lord nice. I'm sorry, drug lord nice? With more baggage. Ever since he showed up, he turned this relaxing vacation into total chaos. Does that. Vacation Friends 2, rated R, now streaming only on Hulu. Exactly. I mean, so much of Keegan Murray in the conversation when it when we bring it back to the Sacramento Kings is just that they're sitting at four. Like, and there's four guys that I think are potential stars, and yeah. I don't feel like I can put that label on on Keegan Murray. Um, I think he's a starter in the league, and I think he's one of the safest possible picks. I think if the Kings were sitting at five. There's a really good chance I'd be preaching Keegan Murray yeah. um, if they were sitting one lower. But offensively, I mean, I, I guess it's like lazy to compare him to Kings players. But like, I, I do think of a lot of Harrison Barnes. I, mm-hmm. I think of that type of I role. I have and always talked about, about how they role. need another Harrison Barnes, but the fourth overall pick, like, okay. I I, I want to save the the value conversation for later. Um, I think the last thing I'll say on his offense is um, there was a uh, – I, I, I do think that there are the, – besides the pull-up shooting, the other low-hanging fruit that I really want to see him improve on next year is his playmaking. Um, I don't want to imply that he's a bad playmaker. I think he – there's no ego to his game. There's, he's not a black hole whatsoever. He's not a guy who forces bad shots instead of passing it to open guys. I just – there weren't – as many strong reads as I was expecting for a 30% usage guy. And to an extent, I really kind of think that's his role and the fact that Iowa didn't have pretty much anybody else on the team. Like his brother, Chris Murray was probably their second best creator. He was coming off the bench most of the year. So I, I, I do think it's somewhat of a team construct issue, but I will admit it does kind of annoy me when I see people like, well, he's going to be the the forward version of Tyrese Halliburton, and and why are you guys underrating him? Because everybody underrated uh, Tyrese Halliburton's creation ability and basketball instincts. It's just like you remember what made Tyrese Halliburton so special in college. It's not yes. something that, that 
Keegan Murray shares. It's just yeah. not. So No, it's not the same at all. Um, the yeah. playmaking was underwhelming to me. I don't think that he's, like, I think you worded it well. He's certainly not a black hole. Um, yeah. 1.5 assists not, per game. That's it. Yeah. As a guy that's putting up, what was it, 27 points? Or, sorry, 23 20, points. Yeah. 23.5 points, 30% usage rate. Yeah. Um, so, I don't let's, know. Let, let's pull it back one more second and just reiterate. 1.1 turnovers. That's it. That's yeah. crazy. That's bonkers. Nothing we can say takes away from how insane that is for a guy shooting nearly 16 times a game to have almost one turnover. Yeah, he was good at making like the basic next read. Um, and I think at the NBA level, that's all he'll need to do. Like if he's a yeah. third, fourth option of mm-hmm. an offense, then that's fine. He's just a connecting yep. piece. It's the same as, again, I, don't, I come back to this a lot apparently, like Harrison Barnes. It, it's the yeah. same as Harrison Barnes. He's not a playmaker in that way. And Barnes had a lot of growth these last couple of seasons. Um, obviously, Barnes been in the league for a while, but like he's just not setting up teammates in extremely impressive ways or anything, but he'll just make the right next pass and he doesn't make any bad passes either. Um, so <laughs> take that for what you will. Um, if there was more impressive reads, you could see the ceiling being higher, but they weren't there. Um, again, a lack of like creativeness, willing to like just try shit out there um, when it comes to reads and making passes defensively. Um, are we good to move to defense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Defensively, um, again, 6'8", six, 6'11", six, wingspan. Um, he doesn't have an issue being physical. He moves well. Um, he didn't blow me away in the way that I think I expected him to. Um, yeah. Because, you know, 1.3 steals, 1.9 blocks, like – I was really expecting somebody that was going to be an impact player on the defensive end, like a really a difference maker often. Um, didn't quite get that. Certainly yeah. not a bad defender. Certainly not a bad defender. I think he's a good defender. Um, I think he's a part of a good defense. I don't think he's making a defense good. Yeah. I very much agree with that. I mean, he's he's too big. He's too physical. He's too long to be anything less than a strong piece of a good defensive squad, but like I, I I just can't see him as a game changer for an awful defensive team. And, you know, that might be enough, especially considering like he's a better defender than Jaden Ivey, even if you're considering apple to oranges in terms of role. I think he's a better defender than Paulo Bancaro is right now. I think Paulo Bancaro might be a better defender in a couple of years, but like that, I don't want to take that away from Keegan Murray. He's pretty damn good. And there were times where I was kind of surprised at his, because he's not like the most quick twitch explosive dude or flexible. And I thought, man, he's really going to struggle if he suddenly gets switched on the NBA guards. Like, and then I watched the Wisconsin game and, and he had some really good moments against Johnny Davis which was really surprising to me. He's pretty stiff, but and he gets blown by quite a few times. But, like, he knows what he's supposed to do. And I think a a good defensive coach can utilize him to help a defense be 
better than the sum of its parts, but he's not going to come in and be Chet Holmgren. And I think that when you just look at the defensive stats, 1.9 blocks, 1.3 steals, again, those are insane numbers for any guy carrying the usage rate that he did. I think those numbers are kind of a bit misleading. I think so too. Um, we could break it down a little bit more into details of his defense, I guess. Like on ball, um, you talked about his switchability, and I, I think that uh, he had impressive moments. Like you talked about that Johnny Davis game um, against Wisconsin, he, he had some moments there. I think that he's a good on ball defender. I think he's very solid. He doesn't move uh, amazingly, but he has the length and moves well enough. Um, that he's going to stay in front of guys. He's good dealing with physicality. I think 3-4 could play either position just fine. Um, I almost wonder if like some team could try him as a small ball five, like just for short stretches. Um, he does have the size and, and strength, but I, I think that's just me like theory crafting. I don't think that that's an expected role for him or anything at the next level. Um, yeah, on ball... Yeah, uh, I mean, do you how comfortable do you think? Because there were those flashes that you talked about, but how comfortable do you feel with him switching onto guards? Like, do you see him as somebody that could get targeted, or I don't think he'll be targeted, but I don't want to see it. Like, if if I don't want to see it on the regular, yeah. um, I think uh, we need to see some real outlier physical improvement in terms of flexibility before I'm going to expect him to switch onto. Even kind of some slower guards, let alone right. uh, the speediest guards. Um, and I want to circle into his blocks because I can hear somebody yelling at home. 1.9 blocks? How are you underrating that? He definitely had some truly impressive help blocks, help defense blocks. But many of them came when he was defending drivers, and by drivers I mean like forwards who were trying to attack him in isolation, and his length really helped him there. And some of them were just, he came over as a help defender and blocked a guy from behind. Now, those aren't less valuable blocks because they weren't him rushing over and destroying a guard at the rim. But to a certain extent, NBA uh, high caliber NBA scores who end up matched up against him or or know that he's coming over and help, they're just not going to be as unaware as college players are in terms of, hey, here's where the guy's going to come from. So um, I, I don't see him as this end all of the King's rim protection needs. And I get that if you just look at paper, wow, this seems like a really great fit with Sabonis, but it's just uh, he's a promising help side. He's a promising weak side help rim protector, and the Kings need that, but he's not going to solve all their rim protection problems. He's certainly not, um, and I think that's kind of the theme of Keegan Murray. I think he's the type of player that they need, but he's not solving problems exactly outside of just getting more like starter caliber players on the roster um and 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 started caliber forwards lord knows we've been preaching this for years yeah it should say something that you and i who like you're saying have been preaching forwards for a long time you longer than i have um are 
putting Ivy over Murray like very comfortably. And it's not just like forwards. It's forwards in this mold. Lord knows my large adult son is Mikhail Bridges. There's nobody I'd rather add to the Kings team that isn't a superstar than Mikhail Bridges. I wouldn't draft Keegan Murray over Jaden Ivey. So, um, no. I, I, I think his defense is good. I don't think his defense changes the game for Sacramento. Yeah, I don't either. Um, yeah, the that's where I was, I think, least impressed. Um, again, I probably came into it with too high of expectations because of those numbers. Um, because those numbers are really impressive. Again, 1.3 steals, 1.9 blocks. Like, certainly nothing to scoff at. I don't want to come off as downplaying it, um, although I guess I am downplaying it. Um, it, It's just not – he's not a difference maker in that aspect, in my mind, on the defensive end. I think that he can help, uh, but I don't don't think he's coming in and changing things for Sacramento defensively or anything like that. Rebounding, 8.7 boards a game. Um, He pulled down 5.1 last year in – 18 minutes as well. Like, I think he's a solid rebounder. Um, good I rebounder say, for his I size. Would, I would definitely say he's a good rebounder. Yeah. The length, the physicality. Like, I can't undersell how physical he is for that kind of, you know, fundamental, tough mind dude. He goes up and he goes into guns. Even if he's stuck in uh, against a center. He goes up and he tries, but I don't want to see him play small ball five that much. No, me either. Um, yeah, me either. I, I think the rebounding is good. It's also not like a phenomenal aspect of his game or anything. Um, you know, obviously just being that size, he's just the one that is doing a lot of the securing boards um, for that team. And, and they have another big out there often as well. Um, but there were times where I was pretty impressed with with some of his boards. Um, again, not game changing in that aspect or anything, but I, I think he gives you the rebounding that it, you ideally would want from a, a modern four. Um, yeah. And especially with Sabonis' level of rebounding, like rebounding would not be an issue. He's a better rebounder than Harrison Barnes, but Barnes isn't a great rebounder for his size, for example. Um, Barnes did okay for a little while at times. Again, Barnes does things phenomenally in stretches, but. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, what other aspect of Keegan Murray do we need to touch on here? Um, you know, I, I kind of would – well, okay. Some people point out that uh, his best statistical games came against lower-level Big Ten teams, and, you know, it's fair to note that. It's a data point. But I'm a firm believer in not criticizing guys – for dominating the games that you expect them to dominate in. Yeah. Um, in his 35 games, he only had one game below 10 points, and he only had eight games where he shot below 40% from the field. So I'm not worried about his consistency at all. Um, and if he's got, if he shares Harrison Barnes's, you know, composure, uh, lunch pail, go to work kind of attitude, like I don't think he's going to be as inconsistent where he's going to make you wish for more quite as much as Harrison Barnes does. And honestly, like if he comes in and he becomes the modern day Harrison Barnes on this team, the number one thing I just want to see is God damn, take as many three pointers as Harrison Barnes should. Mm-hmm. This team would be so much better if Harrison Barnes was taking eight to 10 threes a game. 
yeah, they they definitely preached it, and it just never ended up happening. It never um, happened. Never. And again, like maybe he's not like I, I feel like saying somebody is a Harrison Barnes level shooter is really high expectations. Um, I really like Keegan Murray as a shooter. I fully believe in it. Um, but I feel like just saying like, oh, they're going to be a 40% three-point shooter is like, I don't know. It's hard to lock that in with like anyone, I, I think. Um, but don't want to take away from, from Keegan Murray's three-point shooting. I, I think he's phenomenal in that aspect. The movement really shocked me. That was probably the thing I was most impressed with. Um, great in transition. Like if we if we get to the Kings fit, and we'll, and we'll talk about value at four a little after, but just the fit of Keegan Murray on this roster, I think he's... I almost use the word perfect, but perfect is not right. He's the play. Ideal. He's a player that they need. Yes, ideal is a good one. He's a very ideal fit on this roster. Yeah. That we've been saying they need another Harrison Barnes, and that's the exact type of role that Keegan Murray would play. He could be the three mm-hmm. or the four alongside Harrison. Um, he is a cog of a good defense. I think he can help make them a better defense. I don't know. That he's not fixing their problems on that end or anything like yeah. that. Um, but he's a better weak side rim protector than than Harrison Barnes, even though I don't think he's phenomenal in that aspect. He does have his moments. Um, is a good individual defender and in keeping his guys in front of him. And then he provides the spacing that's needed. Like, I, I think he's a very ideal. Uh, Going to steal your word again there. I, I think it's a good one fit for the Sacramento Kings roster. Yeah, I think so, too. Gives further spacing for De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis. Uh, adds another big transition threat to a team that absolutely needs to keep up the pace next year. Um, switchable combo forward who can stay in front of a lot of guys his size, plays with physicality. You know, he's he's pretty damn bust-proof, and he's pretty damn fit-proof as well. Um, this will kind of lead into the other conversation anyway. It, the there, I think... So often the fit versus talent conversation does ignore the fact that the Sacramento Kings aren't a team that can truly always prioritize talent over fit. Because like uh, Murray's got fewer swing skills and fewer fit concerns than Jay Nivey, Satan Sharp, AJ Griffin, even Paulo Bancaro to a certain extent. And like, it's super easy to argue talent over fit, but you know, fit limitations when you're playing in basketball hell may not be so simple to overcome. Like it's, and once again, like it's definitely possible that we're overthinking a smart player who will figure out a lot of the stuff that we are concerned with and become more than we think, or at least help the team be more than the sum of its parts. But much like you were talking about earlier, I just, I I don't project him as a franchise altering talent, especially for a team as apparently unalterable as the Sacramento Kings. Um, Yeah. I, I think he'll become a star role player, but one that has clear limitations on both ends of the ball. Um, And, you know, I, I, whoever of Jabari Smith Jr., Chet Holmgren, Paulo Bancaro, or Jay Nivey is still there for, I would rather see the Kings go for that top-tier talent. Um, I'm going to write about this in my profile of Murray, which 
hopefully will come out early next week. I, I'm having a real hard time seeing the conversation about him on Twitter and see people who are, who are Keegan Murray fans. And I don't want to take anything away from the people who like him. He's a very versatile player. He's an excellent fit on this roster. He is clearly an intelligent young man who plays the right way. I don't think that saying that Keegan Murray is a star role player should be considered an insult. I think that a lot of Kings fans have forgotten the value of role players because the ones that we've had in Sacramento over the last 16 years have just Dwayne Dedman failed us completely. Jimmer <laughs> Ferdinand wanted to do way too much, wanted to do way more than he should, and wanted to play one specific way. Uh, Buddy Hield was kind of that same way. Buddy Hield thought he was way more than what he should be. Uh, or, you know, Willie Cauley-Stein. He was supposed to be the ideal role player for this team. He was going to fit perfectly. Then he came in, we overhyped him, and he just completely disappointed us. Don't think that Keegan Murray has the risk of doing any of those things. He's not going to disappoint us. He's too versatile to bust in any one way. Um, he He's not going to come in and be like, I only want to play like I did in Iowa. The dude has no ego to his game. So it's I, I don't want it to be an insult when we say that he fits this team well, but he may not be as high-tier talent for us as these other guys. Because, like, Doug Christie was a role player for this team. He was the fifth best starter on the Kings' glory years. The most one, and was still one of the most impactful and beloved Sacramento Kings of all time. Uh, he could very, Keegan Murray could very well do that here in Sacramento. Um, but, you know, it, the Sacramento Kings team needs talent more than anything else. Keegan Murray's a good talent. I'm not going to sit here and say that I think that he is more talented or has more talent in a few years than any of the dudes who will be there at four. I'd be shocked if Keegan Murray ever made an all-star team. I, I would think too. the other guys have significantly better chances of becoming that caliber of player. Um, and the other four being, obviously, like you said, Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, Paulo Bancaro, and Jaden Ivey. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's... It's tough. We're, we're, it's the same fit versus best player available conversation um, that I absolutely have grown to hate having on Twitter because people don't. Yeah, I, I've I do not enjoy having that conversation. Uh, but with the point that the Sacramento Kings are at in the fourth overall pick, like I don't see Keegan Murray as a player you just take with number four. And I, I get every draft is different. Um, I, I think that this draft does have a pretty quick fall off after those four. Um, but the fact that mm-hmm. there are four there is whichever one is available, I think the Kings should take. I don't think I look at any of them as like, this is a really tough fit. So we we have to look in another direction. Like Paulo Bancaro is probably the most questionable fit out of all of them. And he's also the only player I could see, like we've said before, being a number one option of an offense. So like if you have a player with that sort of upside, you just take it and you figure it out. Um, And he's one of the best passers in the class and he at his size as well. Um, Yeah. I I just don't see as much as I think that Keegan Murray is the exact type of player that the Sacramento Kings need. 
I think that you wouldn't properly be using the asset that is the number four pick if you used it on Keegan Murray. And that's really what the issue is for me. If they loved Keegan Murray, decided to trade down, and all of a sudden you're talking about, um, I don't know, can you get, I don't think that this is actually reasonable, but something like Sadiq Bay and Keegan Murray. Like, all of a sudden, yeah. sure, like, Absolutely, I, I don't see how this happens. That's right. Not, yeah. I'm just trying to think of, like, if you're getting somebody else and Keegan Murray in a trade-down situation, sure, maybe. Like, I still would take one of the guys at the top. Um, can you get yeah. Malcolm Brogdon and Keegan Murray, maybe? Like, no, here, I'll make this even harder for you, because Sam Vizzini talked about this on his podcast. Chris Duarte and six for four. Mm. Now, oh. assume that Detroit picks sharp there and Indiana's taking Ivy or something. I I I don't do that. I don't and either. and for the record, Vicini said no to that too. So yeah, I, I would like say no to that. that. Um, yeah. The only way, I mean, I don't want to. I don't think the Kings should be trading down. Um, yep, I agree. Unless they're getting some like John Collins is like the worst player that I'm like okay having the conversation about. Um, I don't, and and not to say John Collins is a bad player or anything, but like the Kings have an opportunity to get a star at number four. It's the draft is the only way that the Sacramento Kings can get stars, period, yep. in, in their organization. Even like Tyrese and Sabonis, like they drafted Tyrese and nailed the draft pick, so they were able to trade him for a star. Like the draft is the only way that the Sacramento Kings can get a star. You're sitting at the fourth overall pick. This is your best chance of doing that. I'm not a fan of trading down, um, but if they love Keegan Murray and they decide to do some sort of deal like that, sure, like. I, I don't know. I wouldn't do it. I don't know that I'd be happy about it. Um, but if they really like Keegan Murray, I could see why the fit makes a lot of sense. I'm not passing up on any of the talents in the top four. Um, as we've said, I guess a couple times back now. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I do not love the fact that the, the fit versus talent conversation has made us uh, both have to talk about the negatives of a player that you and I would have loved at seven. Like imagine the conversation if loved. Kings were still at seven, would he just sat there and just sung his praises? But you know, there's a difference between, um, that's our job. We got to look at everything. We got to assess how, how the player fits on the Sacramento Kings, how he fits compared to the other guys. And it's a little bit more complicated with Keegan Murray. Once you start diving into where it was in Iowa the idea of uh, a smart player figuring out everything he can be versus his physical tool set. And the idea of, is it okay to draft a ideal role player when there are some dangerous, you know, boom bust players. And I don't really think that Jay Nivey or Paulo Bancaro is anywhere close to a boom bust player, but you know, it's it's at least worth having a conversation. So, um, I love I have Keegan. One for you. Okay, if they do that trade, for example, at six, um, and who's gone is again Jabari, Chet, Paulo, Ivy, and Sharp. Would Keegan even be your guy at six? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Would. I'm taking Keegan same Murray man. over AJ Griffin. I'm officially saying that because it's it, they're in the same conversation of talent. And Keegan Murray's got 
one, two swing skills that he needs in order to be a incredibly strong starter. AJ Griffin's got like three. Right. This and, is where and, the the talent or the fit and talent conversation yeah. actually fit applies because yeah. like they're in the same tier. And I'm, I'm with you. And I think Matherin Tari is... Easton too, or Ben Matherin, mm-hmm. or no, nah, Keegan Murray's... Keegan Murray's locked in my number five spot. So I don't want it to make it sound like, ah, oh, he's a scrub. He's got to go way later in a lot of... No, he's a good player. He's a good fit. Somebody's going to love him. I, I just yeah. kind of hope that's not Zach. There's a lot of... Um, I've seen a lot of Pistons reporters talking about the idea of Keegan Murray going five. And I could see the logic. Um, again, yeah. I think if the Kings were sitting at five, um, and I know that wasn't a possible outcome, but for the sake of conversation that like, I probably would be preaching Keegan Murray. You know, if we were sitting at five, we'd probably be doing the same thing at, that Pistons and Indiana fans are doing to us, which is, uh, trying to shit talk us into taking Keegan. <laughs> you know, how can we get Murray? to four? We try to, to we try to shit talk <laughs> them into taking Keegan Murray at four so that Jaden Ivey would fall. But assuming that didn't happen, Keegan Murray would have been great picking. Five, six, seven. That's not where they are. Yep. It's not what ended up happening. Um, if they take Nate Murray at four, I'm going to be so disappointed. I, I, I won't be. I don't want to pretend that this is 2018 in terms of. It, it's kind of 2018 in terms of the logic of the picks, but it's not in terms of the talent. If the Kings take Keegan Murray over Jaden Ivey, Jaden Ivey's not Luka Doncic, and Keegan Murray ain't Marvin Bagley. So I'm not going to be heartbroken. I'll be a little disappointed. Not too much. I do want to point this out. Uh, Brett Huff, one time friend of mine and yours, he does um, consensus rankings from all the smart uh, evaluators. And mine aren't included yet because I'm way behind. Uh, he has 11 evaluators for his expert, consistent, can, uh, expert consensus rankings. None of them have Keegan Murray in the top four. Makes sense. Or No, I'm sorry. Let me say that again. Nobody has Jaden Ivey lower than four. So ESPN might have Keegan Murray top four. I don't know anymore. Okay. So. Bassini had him at fifth on his latest yeah. big board, um, which I think is probably where he's going to sit in most. Yeah. Uh, I would guess that that's probably right around where this conversation is with Keegan Murray. And I know he's not typically a guy that would go like, top five or or yeah i mean somewhere between like five and eight but i I do think there's a drastic fall off in this draft and and you're not talking about like star upside after um after pick four really after those top four guys and that's where keegan's sureness and and like the safety of him as a player with such a high floor um and maybe even if that means it comes with a little bit of a lower ceiling is is so intriguing sitting there at five but yeah, not the situation the Sacramento Kings are in. And uh, you have anything else on before we I'll have a up? profile. I'll have a profile out on Keegan. Hopefully, early next week. Right now, it is a whopping three thousand five hundred words. Whew. I know that Greg just Whew. got a shiver hearing that. It will be less than that. Um, <laughs> if, if if people who hear this want to see the whole thing, just at Greg and say, "Greg, make let Bryant post the whole thing." Uh, <laughs> I'll Greg definitely. is going to hate you for this. <laughs> Greg's going to hate me for that. No, I, I promise it won't be 3,500 words because who wants to freaking read that? 
Um, no promises that my chat one is not. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure. I'm excited to read that. You have to see every block. You have to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my chat one should be done over this weekend. I, I just literally have to make myself stop watching chat film and just sit and write it because he's so fun to watch. It's so you intriguing. Pro- you probably watched more WCC games than I have at this point. Dude, I don't even know what's happening. Like, it, yeah, I don't know what's happening to me. I weirdly, I think I got a little burnt out um, earlier, a couple of weeks ago. And for some reason, it was the Chet Holmgren film that, that brought me back. So, and, and I've enjoyed watching everybody else in the process as well. But Chet is what brought me back. And I'll get that uh, that writing here done soon. And those guys in the top four are just uh, too much to overlook and uh, look towards the direction of, of Keegan Murray, if that was the idea. Um. Last thing I got, shout out to Brett Huff. I am probably going to play Mario Bros. Strikers tonight. Oh, I yeah. I think that this is the move. That game was so good. What I Yeah, I loved that game growing up. I was yeah. freaking so geeked to find out that they had a new version coming out. A yeah. couple mechanics that I'm a little questionable about, but we're going to see how this goes. If anybody doesn't know Brett uh, Huff, who you can find, at, I think it's just... I'm pulling up. Rhett Huff, 22. Uh, one of the smartest Kings fans out there. Uh, works for Next Level Games, which is uh, owned by Nintendo. Uh, he worked on Luigi's Mansion 3, which is a great game. He's about to publish uh, uh, Super Mario Strikers, which I promised him. I'm going to try. I'm going to play. Never played a soccer game before. I'm going to enjoy it. Really? After the draft. After yeah, the draft. fair enough. Fair after enough. <laughs> we don't have all too long. What do we have, 20 days now? Yeah, 20 days. Yeah, so <sighs> we will get there. Um, we'll see if I actually get around to Strikers, but at least tonight. I will at some point. Um, might have to be released or after the draft like you're talking about, but we'll see how it goes. Um, I think that's all that I got here, Bryant. Um, your profile on Keegan Murray is going to be out in not too long. I should have my chat one out in not too long. AJ Griffin is already out. Um, and there's plenty of other great work going on at from all the guys and gals at the Kings Herald, as always. So take a look at the Patreon there to support local independent Kings coverage. And if you enjoyed this episode of the Kings Pulse podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. And you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days.